All right. Je compris. There we go. <laughs> Simon, um, so tell us, uh, you know, what you do, where you're from. Okay, perfect. So I'm originally from Brisbane, Australia, and I've been living in France for almost 10 years now. It'll be 10 years at the end of uh, January. I'm in my fourth year of teaching. So my, my background before teaching, I worked in, in hospitality. So anything from restaurants, uh, bars, pubs, nightclubs, that type, of, that type of thing, hotels as well. Um, and that allowed me to travel quite a lot all around Europe. So before coming to France, I've lived also in Greece, um, England and Ireland as well. So I've got a real, I've had a real experience with different English accents um, depending on where I've lived and the public I've met. And I decided to do a real career shift four years ago and went to university here in France and studied a, um, a licence d'anglais. So uh, basically a bachelor's degree of English and have been teaching ever since. And I'm in my fourth week now with a brand new company. It's the Frank, Franco-American startup called Jelly Smack. And uh, we work with influencers and YouTubers to like refine their content and put it on multiple different platforms and, and help them like basically spread, spread their work where, wherever, they, wherever they see fit and, and take care of the editing and whatnot for them. So they just have to worry about their content. And so this is a company that's exploding in size and they want their internal language to be English. And that's where I come in. So I started with them four weeks ago and I currently have 48 people taking lessons in wow. either one-on-one -on -one groups of just myself and two others. So I call them twin lessons or group lessons, but that's a, a maximum of three learners. That's amazing. So you were hired mm. like internally uh, yeah. as a, like as a subcontractor i mean as you're, you're well, not an employee are you or, oh yeah or? i'm a full-time employee i'm, a, I'm oh, an actual employee yeah okay. yeah so it's a sort of it's wow. a sort of okay. it's a sort of like position that i mean i've never heard of it before and like i have a good friend who's worked for this company for about three years and she reached out to me uh in june and said look the company i'm working for we're looking for an english uh, trainer are you interested and i mean you know yourself you get a lot of people contacting you on linkedin and it's with opportunities and sometimes it's only one or two hours per week and it's right. sort of financially not too interesting. Right. So I, I didn't brush it off, but I was like, okay, great. I'll have a look. And then I had a look and it's a full-time contract as an internal, like they could, the title is learning and develop, development manager for an English Academy. So they want to build an internal English Academy for all of their employees. Wow, so, yeah. that is fascinating, and that's mm. very interesting information. You know, like, mm. is that is that kind of like the future of uh, language yeah. learning, right? Because yeah. it's true that I mean, if a company were to hire the services of a, you know an independent English teacher for each one of their you know employees, in fact, it would mm. cost them a great deal <gasps> oh, yeah. more than if they had yeah. a full time like employee. To, mm. Yeah, wow. yeah. Well, they were working with two freelancers that were coming in for, uh, I think, all up, each freelancer was doing maybe an hour and a half a day. So two, two lessons of 45 minutes um, with their, uh, just groups of three. And thanks to COVID, it was all via distance. But, um, but they tried to convince one of those freelancers to come on a more full-time basis. So they did like a bit of negotiation with in terms of price and all that. And it was just going to be far more expensive to use an outside freelancer. Um, and so they decided to hire internally and that way they have someone who's more accountable as well for the quality right. uh, because sure. they were having, they were having instances where their employees were just not showing up for lessons, but the freelancer was yeah. still billing, you know, that's, uh, that's just how it works. That's right. uh, 
Yeah. So for them, financially in the long run, um, I mean, that's what my, my boss told me. She said for us, like financially in the long run, it's, it's much better to follow this right. route. Mm. Right. Well, it really is win-win because, I mm. mean, for someone that's an independent, usually it's not always by choice, right? Yeah. I mean, as, as a teacher, it's, it's either, we, either we don't want a full-time job only because we don't want to be in the public sector, Mm -hmm. Right, because yeah. public yeah, sector yeah. full of rules and regulations and yeah. Stories. yeah, no. My wife is a French. She's an English teacher for Education National, so oh, she's, okay. she's French and she's an English teacher. But like, I we sort of have both. We're on like both paths. Like, so I know what what she has to deal with and her work um, working conditions, and from from my side, from more of the private sector as well, uh, right. And so what about some of those problems that, she, like, is she a uh, high school English teacher? Uh, college, 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 for 4 yeah, yeah. So, with, so what uh, do you know about the public uh, sector in terms of uh, the way that English is taught? Is it, is there, you know, do the, do the teachers have freedom to kind of do what they want or do they have to follow some kind of, you know, syllabus? What's the deal? They... It, it's it's kind of a yes yes and no situation. So they do have the liberté de pédagogie, so like the freedom to teach how they want. But there is like a syllabus to follow. There is like an expected level at the end of each year. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the techniques that certainly a lot like it's changing a lot in terms of what say forty year olds now the way they learnt when they were in college. Like it's, mm -hmm. it was a bit more, bit more structured and kind of like just downright boring. Like it was a right. very grammar heavy and the, like I, the, the new generation of teachers and the, like the, the people that are studying now to, to take the, um, the CAPES, the competitive exam to, to go into that, that industry are much more dynamic and much more creative as well. I think there was like a real lack of creativity mm -hmm. in the past, say 15, 20 years. So mm -hmm. like my, my wife has told me that she's had, she's had colleagues in previous schools that are a little bit older that in their class will be side by side, their classrooms. Mm -hmm. And she'll, she'll hear them literally in the morning go, okay, everyone open up to page 35, you know, and, right. and with my wife, she doesn't have a book at all. It's all on tablets and, you know, it's interactive quizzes and things like that. And yeah. Wow. So, so in fact, the teacher is the variable. Right. Even yeah. in the public sector, I mean, I there is so, yeah. freedom. That's the impression there are, I have. There are, right. There are mm -hmm. results that are expected, but yeah. how you get there is kind of up to you, right? Mm. Definitely. That's the impression I have. So that's interesting. But I do know that um, they do have classes of, right, 25 to 30 students. Yeah. Yeah. Depending I'm on the area, um, depending on the status of the school, like as in if it's a school that has lots of issues with discipline, they have, they're more um, attentive to the class size. Uh, that's where it'll be maximum, say, 15 or so per class. But where it's just an average sort of neighborhood, they can have classes of up to, yeah, 30. Like it can be yeah, really difficult. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I, I have taught in a, it was a private school, but, you know, there were 21 year olds. Uh, it was a uh -huh. school for uh, learning how to animate like 3D. Animation. Oh, yeah. And cool. it was great. But there were, of course, some difficulties. And primarily the difficulty was in the size of the class and the mm. level, the level of each student was yeah. different. Right. Yeah. Has she ever. Well, I mean, as children. Because she teaches college, right? So I don't know. Maybe the level is pretty much the same across the board. I don't know. It's it, at the school she's currently at. It is 
yeah, across the board, it's more or less the same. And then there are kids that are just brilliant that are, you know, one or two class, one or two years ahead. And then there's the opposite end of the spectrum. Right. Uh, where you know where there's where these kids are, it's for them either it's just too difficult at the moment or they're just really not interested so totally. yeah that, that is the that is the 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 challenge like with any any class size is finding something that is appropriate for everybody right yeah. absolutely so what exactly do you do at your company okay so i'm giving either one-to-one private lessons or like i said groups of two or three and it's really interesting because it's the type of client that I've never had to teach before. So at the moment, I do have uh, some profiles I've encountered in the past, like uh, people who work in human resources, um, recruitment, uh, the marketing uh, sector of the company. But I'm working a lot with people who are in charge of video editing, uh, data science, because we work a lot with algorithms, like the algorithms of, of Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat and things like that so i'm having to learn a lot of new vocabulary that I, that I didn't even know existed and and yeah it's it's really it's a really different approach to teaching like i would in the past for a complete beginner would be start with the very basics of like going through the grammar rules whereas this it's i have to go straight for like teaching the grammar rules in everyday situations Instead right. of just, hey, let's have a quick look at this table together and I'll tell you why we use the present simple here or why it's the present continuous. For, instead of doing that, like these lessons are only 45 minutes. So we have to go straight into real world use, yeah. which is something that I've had to adapt uh, really quickly <laughs> or rather quickly about. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the, just the different profiles of, of people that I, I've, I've, I'm working with. Right. And it, so you're learning just as much as they are in a way. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of, I have to sort of dance before the music starts, you know? <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a real learning curve the past uh, four weeks now. And what is, is there a big range of, of uh, levels in terms of your clients? Everyone has a, a basis of English because the internal language is English, even though they, they, they started in France, they've got an office in New York, London and L.A., uh, as well as Corsica and, and Paris, of course. And uh, on, we use Slack as our internal messaging uh, service huh? and everything is in English. Okay. Um, all of our inter intercommunication is English, emails, uh, company-wide meetings where everyone's on Zoom at the same time. We had a meeting on Wednesday where we were just over a thousand people uh, and the whole thing is in English. So everyone has at least a basis of like high school graduation and some of them had a unit of English with regardless of what their, what their studies were. Um, so it's, I haven't met anyone yet that has never studied English or don't even know the basics. So, okay. and then I've got some people that are basically bilingual that want to just refine a really uh, specific skill. I have um, a uh, colleague from India who did his master's degree in data science in the US and even was a teacher's aide and taught and lectured himself. And he's taking classes with me to sound less academic because <laughs> when, <laughs> when he gives an opinion just about, say um whether breakfast is the most important meal of the day he will speak for five minutes using huh. really like beautiful sentences and, and like uh really wordy like uh, mm. opinions and whatnot and he wants to just dumb it down a tiny bit right. because he, he sort of feels out of place speaking like that to his colleagues just you know when they're having coffee or or just talking about a project that they're working on so it's, yeah, right. it's a real mix <laughs> yeah. do you like your job 
I love it. Yeah, it's good. Like it's especially this company that I'm that I'm working with now. It's a company that I feel is really like aligned with my values. They um, they have a policy of you kind of if you have an idea, do it, and if it works, great. If it doesn't, then fine. Just try something different. And right. they, 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 there's a lot of freedom that I've had to really get used to as well. Like the freedom to teach and just not have a, a manager saying, okay, what are you doing now? And how about that? How about this? Like, have you finished that yet? Like it's, it's almost, it's been, it, that's been a steep learning, learning curve for me as well <laughs> to just get used to that creative freedom and to just uh, to plan my days the way I want them to, to be. And, right. and yeah, but so far so good. It sounds great. <laughs> um, yeah. So what, what part of your job do you like the most? The part that I find the most rewarding is a, when somebody like literally says like, oh, that's really helpful. Like I, I feel way more comfortable now. I feel uh, like I'm more impactful in my job or even in my personal life, whatever. And the best, the best two compliments that I like to receive is one at the end of our 45 minutes or hour or however long the class is when someone says, oh, I didn't see the time go by. And two, it's when I have someone tell me that they, like they, they've seen the impact in their life that they're going to insist that their children learn English. Because mm -hmm. for me, that's a massive one. Like, I mean, there's not many jobs that you can do where you have this like intergenerational influence. And like to, to sort of right. think big picture and a little bit more, but that means that like literally the work we do as teachers, like there's influences like long after we're dead and gone. Like if, if a client that you have insists their children learn English and then their children's children, like, and that goes on and on, like that's incredible. That's, that's huge for me. Yeah, it really is. And mm. when I first started in this business, you know, teaching English like five years ago, yeah. I always wondered, uh, was I really making a difference? Were they really learning? Mm. Yeah. Uh, once they've learned, uh, will they continue to learn? Right? Yeah, and, yeah. I've only now started getting feedback from, you know, clients that I had like three, four years ago. And, and they all tell me how much they appreciated the, the training, yeah. and how yeah. they have continued to, you know, they have adopted habits, you mm -hmm. know, like watching movies in English now, like reading more in English, or making yeah. an effort to, to uh, you know, a cousin that's in the U.S. in English, right? And yeah, all exactly. of these uh, are mm. super important to continue to develop, right? Definitely. Yeah. It makes it all, all worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what exactly are you working on now? Um, at the moment I'm working with, uh, I'm working a lot with the platform called Kahoot. If you've okay. heard of that. Yeah, it's I've like, heard about that. It's like a quiz yeah. making. Exactly. And the company I'm currently with, uh, are really big on gamification. You know, they're, they're big on like the learning experience being a fun one and like into interdepartmental competitions and whatnot. So I'm, it's the first time I've had to create content on, on that platform. So I'm, I'm working a, like I'm working a lot on just building quizzes that are in line with what I'm teaching. So that's so, great. So you're, cause you're, yeah. I mean, you're paid a salary and you can take the time uh, exactly. to build quizzes knowing yeah. that you're compensated. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the best part about my job is like, it's, it is teaching, but there's also uh, a creative side. Like they call themselves uh, the creator company. Mm -hmm. So they, they're big on creativity and that entrepreneurial spirit. And so I do have a lot of students at the moment, but that's only about 27 hours of teaching per week. And I have a 40 hour contract. So the rest of that time is, is creating content that uh, we, we have on like our internal library. Um, and that's, that's taking up yeah, half my, half my contract at the moment, half my time. Yeah. 
Do you think this is a trend and more and more companies are going to start hiring like I really think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think so. And my previous job that I left to, co to come join this company was with a, uh, a training company based in, based in Paris. So I'll, before COVID, I would go around to different offices and teach people face-to-face. -face. Um, and then with COVID, obviously, everything went, went out via distance. And two of my biggest clients were Microsoft and L'Oreal before, oh. before I left. And they definitely have the budget to hire intern internally. Right. So I, I really think that uh, more and more companies, it'll be a mixture of more and more companies realizing that it's cheaper to hire yeah. internally. And it, it's, up to the, it's up to the training companies to, to up their game and to make sure that they're delivering uh, classes that are, that are worthwhile and that, they're, that their clients are learning too. So it'll be, it's, it is two factors there. Um, and the, the company that I, that I worked for was really great. Like we were, it was a great team and like, uh, I have great faith in my colleagues that, that, that they're still there, uh, to deliver fantastic lessons and, and to really help their clients, their people who really care. Um, but I think it is a matter of time before just not every company, but the ones that can start yeah. asking that question. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Mm. It really does. Mm. Uh, they would have a lot more follow-up too, uh, right. That's students yeah. will, I mean. Like any question they have, they can just, you know, straight up. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. it actually, I didn't see that coming. It's actually interesting. And Me it's neither, good, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's a good yeah. thing. Um, mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I have another question, which is, um, um, like, how did you get clients before, before getting this contract where you're permanent? Okay. How, well, what, um, what did you do in terms of marketing and a lot of it was word of mouth. Um, some of it was through my previous employer. Like I, I couldn't like poach clients from them, but when our contract finished with a company, I was more than like, I had the authority to sort of, you know, reach out to 21 I'd worked with previously. I never actually did that, but I did have people contact me on LinkedIn that I'd worked with previously. Um, and say that the company I was working with, the contract with their employer had finished. So there was no um, like competitive clause that was, that was being broken or whatnot. So I had a lot of previous clients from my primary activity reach out to me. Right, right. Yeah. This and is the of your teaching. Yeah, yes. And I had, um, I was working alongside one of, one of a, good, a, a good friend of mine who's an auto entrepreneur. So he's his own boss and um, he has a great level of English and just wanted to, to refine uh, like certain skills. And we worked together for a while. So I had him as one client. I had a few from my previous, uh, previous job and I did freelance from time to time for other companies. So um, Linguio, you may have heard of them. They, right. Yes, I've heard yeah. of them. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I I worked for them for about a year or so, and that was just good for like just to supplement the uh, my 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 day job, um, right. and another another um centre formation as well that's based in the north of Paris. I was doing a bit of freelancing for about six hours a week or so, and uh, and yeah, so right. I, it was I had kind of uh, three or four little activities on the go. So I had a, a full time contract with one company, and then uh, auto entrepreneur status at the same right. time so you would so, sometimes also work for other companies like I mean, as a yeah independent as a freelancer yeah yeah right and so um and so you you've never really had to struggle i guess for uh, for work it's always kind of been uh, word of mouth and opportunities yeah yeah it has it has been like i haven't had a 
uh, an opportunity. No, sorry, I haven't had a situation where I was really struggling, like uh, to find work. But it hasn't. It's not. Doesn't mean that at the same time I was earning a lot of cash. You know, there was times where I was earning less than minimum wage just from because there was only one of the activities was was uh, was actually fun functioning at that time. But yeah, right. I've always had just a steady stream of of work or or interest from from third parties or opportunities as well. Right. And the, sorry, mm. you live where? I in live Paris? in the western suburbs of Paris in a region or in a department called the Yveline. So okay. as the crow flies, I'm about 35 kilometers from the center of Paris. Right. Okay. Yeah. Of course, being in Paris, there is not a lack of, uh, of need, I think. No, no. There's a lot of demand. The only problem is that it's the sort of demand that you would need to have like five or six different little jobs. You right. know, maybe maybe doing vacateur at one university, um, private tutoring here, uh, maybe one or two clients that you've found yourself to right. supple, to to sort of boost that. Yeah, it's that's that's the impression I've I've got through um, a, or a network that I'm a part of called the Language Network. It's a a nonprofit organization that's been in France for about twenty years, and it's oh, just a, I, I know them. I'm, I, yeah. I was part of their association. Ah, yeah. oh, cool. Yeah, uh, I love Claire, Claire Old uh, Old Metal. Yes, that's her. That's her. Oh, she's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, she's great. I, I joined um, before the summer. And uh, yeah, it's, it's good just to have like, just to have this network, even not for looking for work, but also to have people that you can turn to to ask for advice in terms of like contracts and, you know, fairness of the way you're being treated and whatnot, because there's some real horror stories out there. With, um, really? Do you have private... a horror story that you can show? Ah, I... <laughs> we love stories here. Excellent. <laughs> well, my, uh, I can talk about it now because I don't have a contract with them anymore. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, my, my first year of teaching, so I, I began with the training company that I just left, the one where I was working one-to-one uh, -one with, uh, with adult professionals. And I also uh, took a post teaching the BTS tourism for a okay. uh, private school. It was, I was doing the BTS tourism and the BTS of environmental management and the master of environmental management. And so uh, this was, it was a great opportunity because I was teaching one-to-one -one with adults, you know, one day a week. And then the rest of the time, or, you know, one day and then the second day, I'd be in a classroom environment with up to 30, 35 students. So it was, it was good right. to get like an experience of, of, of both. Right. And uh, this school, it was, they spent a lot of money on marketing, uh, on really beautiful looking, like glossy brochures. Um, okay. And just the, the sort of product that they sold their students wasn't what they received. Uh, the okay. organization was terrible. The administration was just almost non-existent in terms of like students having questions that they, they never got answers to. Um, they mm. couldn't hire enough teachers uh, before the beginning of the uh, of the first semester. So they were paying for subjects that they just weren't being taught. Um, and just, yeah, it was a general mess. And if, uh, like after sort of my first month and, and thinking that, you know, things weren't, weren't too right. I did my own sort of research on Google and, and asked around and yeah, I found out that it's one of those schools that sort of, it's a bit of a snake oil salesman, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like it was a great experience. Like I've, I'm still in touch with a lot of the, a lot of the kids I taught and um, I've had to write letters of recommendation for, for some of them as well. Um, and that, that, like that side was cool, but just the actual administration side and, and dealing with the school was yeah, terrible.
No. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. So, the, <laughs> so the school was not organized. They made promises that they never kept. And... Yeah, yeah. And they took advantage of uh, a lot of the students' naivete as well. They marketed a lot in, um, in former French colonies in Africa. So selling the sort of French dream of going from, from Mali or Senegal and studying in Paris, et cetera, et cetera, and then not really helping them too much with their visa after they paid. So, yeah, like I, I had one class where I was meant to be only teaching about 25 students and then they just gave me another class without even asking, just lumped it in. And so I had up to 70 people in one class, knowing that there wasn't even a room that would fit 70 students. And I contacted one of the, like the, my immediate boss and said, you know, I, I didn't sign up for this. Uh, what are we going to do? And they said, oh, don't worry, because most of the students from Africa, they won't be able to get a visa. And that was that was just normal, so they, 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 it was okay for them to accept the money. Uh, but in terms of what happens next, they they didn't really care. Wow, that's yeah, terrible. Yeah. So that's that's when I that was yeah, the in my first month I heard that and I was like oh okay, and that's when I began to do my own research and, and plan to do something else after that year. <laughs> but I, I've I've had. Uh, colleagues and, and, and counterparts that are English teachers that have all had some sort of negative experience in Paris like there's that's there's a lot of demand but there are a lot of uh, sharks out there unfortunately right yeah <laughs> what do you think that uh, is the most important skill that student French students want to learn ah that's a good question um if, in my experience, a lot of people are mainly focused on speaking and just feeling generally comfortable. So being able to have a spontaneous, free-flowing discussion. Um, there's not so much uh, focus on writing or understanding like written expression because we're not really writing that much in the professional world these days unless you're doing, you know, uh, in project development or or anything like that where it's a high sort of executive level where you're writing proposals and whatnot or in engineering if you're just working a, a normal a normal job in any industry the, the main sort of writing you're doing is just inter interdepartmental so right. writing isn't really a skill that i've had to teach it's mainly just oral expression and comprehension feeling comfortable being able to hold a discussion give an opinion uh be diplomatic as well because i'm sure you know that the French way of speaking is a, is a little bit different to the way we'd, we'd say give criticism in English. Um, so, yeah, that's for me, it's mainly just feeling comfortable being able to hold a conversation, give an opinion and you just exchange. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. How do they achieve this, you know, your students? How do they achieve this, this state of, you know, being comfortable? Okay. Well, for me, I like to use a lot of role play. Um, I like to put students in a position, especially if it's in a group where I force them to have an opinion that they would not necessarily have. For example, I'll present like a, a list of just topics, like very simple things like um, rock and roll is the best kind of music. Summer is the best season of the year, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll choose one of them to say, okay, give us your opinion and then choose someone else who has to directly, no matter what they think, disagree with you. Right. Like no matter, no matter what. And then the third person, I'd say, okay, who do you choose? Like who, who is right out of those two and tell me why. So really forcing people out of their comfort zone, but in a controlled environment, I right. think is, is creating that sort of um, initial discomfort that ends with an achievement yeah. and like sort of self-satisfaction of actually doing what, you know, 30 seconds ago, 
made me panic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, that's brilliant. That's good. Because for sure, when we step out of our comfort zone and we realize we can do something that we didn't think we could, you know, yeah, just makes us feel great and makes us yeah, want to yeah. achieve more and more, right? Definitely. And I find just what you learn in those sort of experiences, it kind of like it sticks more in, in your head. Right. Like if you if you learn like a, a new way to give an opinion or, or disagree with someone or even a new word in that exchange, you're way more likely to remember that next time. Absolutely. Because that mm. discomfort, is a strong emotion and we do learn better when there is an emotion you know that that is attached yeah totally totally mm. great um i guess last question if you weren't a teacher uh what you know what would you like to be uh i would love to have been and still have aspirations to be a, a writer so i i've always enjoyed reading um, I've had short fiction published in the US and um, and uh, on online in, in online magazines. And uh, it's it's a hobby of mine that I've really been lazy about and put to the side for the past year, but that's that's it's still in the pipeline. So that would that's what I would like to have been. <laughs> that's what I would have been if I wasn't a uh, teacher. So you write fiction, you said. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like yep. what so kind of thing? I, I dabble. I dabble in a little bit of everything. I've, I've written anything from like black humor, um, science fiction, horror. So in that, yeah, more sort of in the, like the, the fantasy realm. But in terms of reading, I, I read basically everything except for teen romance. So I sort of, what, I, what I'm into in terms of what I, what I like to read changes and I go in like different directions all the time. But writing wise, yeah, it's mainly dark comedy, uh, science fiction or, uh, or horror. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. I'm just going to hit pause. I'll just do it straight away. Um, yeah, it's because we're just going to edit it, you know. So. Okay, perfect, perfect. So here goes. So, uh, so perhaps uh, be, do it like a, uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, do it, do it in a normal voice because we want mm -hmm. to hear the Australian, you know, accent. Yeah, not too much like Russell Crowe then. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Food is our passion. It's what brings us all together. Perfect. Okay, yeah. great. Excellent. Yeah, it's, I, I've I sort of lost my Australian accent over the years. I've been told by, I've got lots of friends in the UK that say I sound Australian and my Australian friends say I sound English. So, oh, right. I'm kind right. of in limbo, you know. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. No, your Australian accent isn't very heavy, let's just say. Yeah. Well, I, I hear that it's not that heavy. And I do hear some with some words where it sounds English. Like it's, yeah. But I, I and think has I anyone spend... ever say, "Oh, I don't understand your accent"? Or... When I speak French, or no, when I speak English, English. Um, not really. I've had, I had one, one um, new learner with the company I'm at now who said, "Oh, I don't want to sound like you." <laughs> so, okay, that's nice. I don't want to sound like you. Oh my God. <laughs> because she's she's got a really good level already, and she lived in London for six months, and she has got a full on English accent. Like it's I it's see. incredible. Um, just the when when the, like certain words, it's just it's it's really remarkable her accent. And she said, "She's like, oh, I don't want to lose my accent if if we're working together because I don't want to sound like you." <laughs> so, fair enough. I want to sound yeah. Like <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. But um, I, I make a real effort when I teach, and I think that's something that learning a language yourself. Like, I don't think it's necessary for an English teacher to to speak another language, but it does help with that. Just the empathy side of it. And knowing that you've got to take your time when you speak because, you know, we're, we're blessed and we're cursed as native English speakers. We don't have to learn a language, but we miss out on that experience if we don't. Absolutely. 
and that, and that yeah. a beautiful way of putting it and yeah i think it really is up to us i mean english being the common language of the world it's really up mm. to us you know us natives natives uh, yeah. to, to adapt you know and to totally. speak more slowly clearly pronounce yeah. better yeah exactly and that's that's something when i first arrived in this country like i most of my wife's friends speak some level of english some of them are completely bilingual some just you know from high school level and i would speak as if i was still in brisbane like you know no no pity nothing and like and my wife would say to me look you've got to slow down if you want people like and, and, and until you learn french you're going to have to speak slower i was like okay and then when i started learning french i was like ah i get it now <laughs> you know i i know that you you, you yeah you, you know that when someone speaks yeah. french uh, too quickly you, you don't understand exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's uh yeah, it's a it's a double-edged sword we could say <laughs> yeah. oh man it was such a pleasure meeting you simon yes, uh, it, I, i'm sure too. we'll be in touch this was such a quality uh you know interview so uh, man, I, I, thank you so much for doing this my pleasure. My pleasure. Well, anytime. It's, uh, it's been my pleasure as well. Like I said, I've followed your content and your activity on LinkedIn for, for some time now. So keep, keep doing what you're doing. I, like, I love being in contact with people who enjoy what they do and, you know, sell, I mean, essentially sell a quality product and, and do what they say they're doing on LinkedIn. Like, and, and you know, follow up with their, 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 marketing, their marketing campaigns and just uh, are genuine. So, yeah, keep doing what right. you're doing as well. You, you feel that it's genuine. That it's yeah, not... yeah, totally, totally. Mm. Oh, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. My pleasure. We'll My talk pleasure. to you soon. We'll be Excellent. in touch. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. I'll, uh, I'll share with you, of course, the, you know, the audio, the Spotify link, uh, all that stuff, the transcript. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Cool. All right. Have a good one. Good Bye. job, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.